High inflation was already hurting Canadians' wallets. Then gas prices spiked. Overnight, Instagram and TikTok feeds of babies, brunches, and nights out switched to videos of gas pumps, with prices climbing higher and higher. Can't afford gasoline, too broke to buy gasoline. Gas price in Canada. I'm absolutely sick of hearing Canadians complain about the rising gas prices. It's like, get a fourth job if you're worried about it. Or a master's in financial stability and an undergraduate in being a rich doctor. Or go spend $100,000 on an electric car if you want to save money. You know what I mean? There are we know millennials are as big on car ownership as other generations and that transportation is a big strain on the budget these days. Welcome to Stress Test, a personal finance podcast for Gen Z and millennials. I'm Rob Carrick, personal finance columnist at the Globe and Mail. And I'm Roma Luzio, personal finance editor. Today we're talking about cars, one of the most expensive purchases people make in their lives. With gas prices the way they are, we discuss whether now is a good time to buy an electric vehicle. Roma, how big a deal are rising gas prices for you? Huge. Nothing made that more evident than a recent road trip we did. We have some family and friends that live in the U.S., and we decided to drive over there and visit them when the recent restrictions lifted. So over the course of the week, and we did do quite a bit of driving, we spent $400 for gas. Ouch, that's almost an airline ticket right there. It's a huge amount of money. And what's really notable is the increase. It's vast from two years ago. And I would suspect that's where most people are feeling the pinch. Rob, what about you? How much driving do you do? Not very much, to be honest. We uh, A couple of years ago, we moved to a uh, more urban location and uh, we're able to walk to a lot of stuff and we're thankful for that. But we do drive from Ottawa, where we live, to, to Toronto, where we have a lot of friends and family. And man, the cost of that trip has probably come close to doubling over the last uh, 12 to 18 months. It's really striking when you fill up and you're, you're hitting numbers on the, on the gas pump that you have never seen before. And when you walk up to the pump, you're seeing the previous guy's fill up was like nothing you've ever seen before. I have seen $200 up on the pump and it's just staggering. I don't know how people are dealing with it. So EV, are you interested in an electric vehicle? I have to say flat out that I am not a car person. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about cars. I'm actually really curious to learn a little bit more about EV vehicles and whether, you know, given the rise in gas prices, given how much vehicle prices are up because of, you know, supply chain issues and COVID and, uh, you know, people returning back to driving What about you? Well, I think our next vehicle will be some sort of electric vehicle, a hybrid most likely, because we have a lot of highway driving to do, and I don't want to be stopping for three hours to charge a vehicle. But it's definitely on my list. I am curious. We know there are some city-living millennials and Gen Zs who have other transit options and don't want or need to buy a car. Some young adults are working on repaying debt and building their finances, and they simply can't afford to buy a vehicle. But for those of you who need a car based on your location or life situation, there are big questions about how to lower costs and whether now is a good time to go electric. After the break, we speak with an automotive expert about this and more. Stress Test is brought to you by CPP Investments, manager of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. The fund is sustainable with over $500 billion in assets, thanks to CPP Investments. Learn more at cppinvestments.com.
For a closer look at the Canadian vehicle market, the costs of ownership, and the potential for electric, we spoke with automotive industry expert Robert Carwell at JD Power. The first thing I want to dig into, Robert, is this common perception, and it's been around for years, that young people don't own cars and have no interest in owning cars. They're sort of a post-car generation. Is that true? Actually, no. Uh, it's surprisingly, uh, or not surprising to some people, uh, if you look at the uh, the demographics of, of vehicle buyers in Canada, something really interesting happened two years ago, right? And, and that's uh, when uh, millennials overtook uh, boomers as sort of the largest demographic of, of people purchasing a, a new vehicle in uh, in Canada. You can sort of see some of the reasons driving this and perhaps why these changes happened uh, two years ago in 2020. COVID, the pandemic, uh, people wanting, you know, safe, secure uh, transportation ready um, at, at their uh, at fingertips. And vehicle ownership offers a lot of that. You twin that with, you know, life and, and, and with reality, younger people getting married, you know, starting families. I think in some respects, it's it's not really surprising that um, our lifestyles and, and how we live in the West is, is encouraging private vehicle ownership amongst younger generations. And I, I don't expect or think this will change anytime soon. Robert, we've heard a lot about vehicle prices rising dramatically over the last few years. What's the average cost of a vehicle right now, new and used? Yeah, the it's and I I, I hesitate a little bit here, Rob, just because it's it's going up so quickly and so high. So you know, I I don't want to come off sounding like a broken record because we we do sound like that. We we keep breaking through the vehicle price ceiling, but I'll, I'll kind of I'll kind of level set it for for everyone. Last year. Total total industry in Canada. You look at all makes and models and, and brands. You know the average new vehicle costs about forty two and a half thousand dollars. That's up thirteen percent from the year before, and it's up about twenty, just over twenty percent from two years ago. And now we've all learned a, a pretty good basic lesson in economics one hundred and one about supply and demand. During COVID, initial demand for vehicles fell off all of a sudden in early 2020. And then when things started to open up a little bit, there was uh, a mash rush rush, uh, to to acquire a new vehicle. And all of a sudden, the the manufacturers out there realized, we're going to run out of cars at this pace. So we have to start dialing back incentives. We do not need to incentivize consumers to buy cars. Now, if you look at the use side of equation, you know, typically for a lot of younger folks, and I know for myself as well, you know, my first car was was a used car. uh, They've gone up a lot in pricing as well, partially because of the shortage. So we've seen used cars now, the average price of used car in Canada is about $30,000. And uh, that is up uh, 18% just so far in the first quarter of this year. Robert, let's pivot to electric vehicles. When we talk about electric vehicles, what do we specifically mean? Because I know there are hybrids out there and there are plug-in electrics and there are um, electrical hybrids. Is EV sort of a broad term and it includes all these different subcategories? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So at JD Power, we use the broad category of uh, new energy vehicles 
as, as a catch-all. So that could be any combination of EV, hybrid, or, or plug-in hybrid. And I'll break the situation down for you in Canada right now. If you're looking at pure EV, there's no other mo uh, powertrain motivation in the car. Uh, that's still just under 2% of, of the marketplace. Our data is exclusive of, uh, of Tesla just because of the way we collect data. But make an assumption to throw them in. You know, you're still looking at about, you know, probably just under 3% of the, of the marketplace. Uh, and then if you include hybrids and plug-in hybrids and any variation of the two, you're at about 9% of the Canadian market. So just under 10% are what we would call uh, a new energy vehicle. You, you get the feeling that a third of your neighbors are driving an EV. It's not. It's 2% of the marketplace. It, it, we are going in this direction. No one's disputing that. We have to remind ourselves, this is a slow process. It's going to take some time. And this is not yet mainstream technology. It's on the cusp, but it's, it's just, it's almost there. But it's it's two percent of the marketplace. What kind of cost premium might I expect between an EV and a gas powered or ICE vehicle? For listeners who aren't familiar, ICE stands for internal combustion engine. So you got to take it down to a segment level. I'm just going to pick on the most popular segment in in Canada, which is compact SUV, right? V vehicles like uh, uh, Honda CRV, uh, Ford Focus, J Jeep Compass, uh, they fall into the compact SUV segment. Your average uh, ICE-equipped uh, compact SUV is about $38,000 uh, uh, cash transaction price, and the electric's about uh, $58,000. So that there's, there's nearly a $20,000 uh, difference between the two. As a consumer, you have to think about you know, this primary question, do you want to save gas or do you want to save uh, money? And how much you spend on your vehicle, because those are actually uh, two two very different things. If you want to save money, it's still in a consumer's uh, to the consumer's benefit to consider buying an ICE engine uh, vehicle because the initial outlay is so much less. Yes, the operating cost will be higher for the time being uh, with, with the uh, the gas prices where they are right now and electricity prices where they are right now. But if the primary concern is, is about budget, and, and obviously for a lot of millennials and, and Gen Z, amongst all the other generations, budget's always a, a paramount uh, importance. You save more money by buying uh, a traditional uh, ICE engine vehicle versus electric at this point in time. We're, we're not saying there aren't reasons to buy EVs. Clearly they are, but we just wanted to separate the kind of the financial obligation of, of both of those. Okay, Robert, I was out for a run early this morning and I saw the price of gas at the local gas station was $1.76. <laughs> yep, and you probably $1. jumped. Yep. At $1.76, how long does it take to recoup the higher cost of, a, uh, of, a, of an electric vehicle uh, over a gas vehicle? So higher gas prices are shortening that window a little bit. Uh, traditionally, the amount of time it would have taken to overtake uh, the ICE engine vehicle and the EV starts paying you back, you know, could have been in, in the 10 year range. And that's going to be start coming down right now. If we consider that electricity prices are, are going to be held constant. So it's, it's still 
a substantial amount of time. Essentially, what we're seeing with the EV market right now is this is going to be a little bit of a watershed year. There's going to be many more competitors uh, coming to market. And the way I describe it is as this is a, a coming wave. Waves uh, will change uh, the the marketplace. They're going to change the dynamic, but they come in slowly. It takes time for them to build. So essentially, it's it's a message of we're almost there, but but just not yet. It's it's still coming. Robert, young people are worried about the cost of owning a car, but they're also concerned about the environment. Tell us a bit about where EVs fit into that concern. Is a hybrid um, environmentally friendly enough, or does it have to be a full-on electric to really be uh, a friend of the environment? You know, Rob, that's a great question. There's many things consumers can do, and younger consumers and first-time car buyers can do. Remember, kind of the, the, the first golden rule is buy a smaller engine car. Don't don't buy a mid-size uh, sport utility vehicle that seats seven if you don't need it. Uh, buy something like a Honda Civic, uh, a, a compact segment uh, car is very efficient at what it does. Has a small engine, doesn't consume a lot of gas, and is and is easy to to purchase and, and acquire. On top of that, yeah, stepping up to a hybrid is going to mean that you are burning uh, less fuel. Uh, the purchase price of the vehicle is going to be a little bit higher, but not as much as going to a full EV. And then with the full EV, obviously, the environmental benefits of the fact that you're not uh, consuming any, uh, any, any gasoline at all are high. Uh, but they still have to be sort of offset against, you know, the, the manufacturing of, of the battery, the, the chemistry in the battery, the metallurgy that's, the, that's required for those vehicles. Obviously, it's still of, of net benefit. But um, I, 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 I always, you know, remind first time car buyers is, is uh, don't discount the benefit you can do to the environment by considering a smaller class of vehicle, a lighter class of vehicle, class of vehicle with a smaller engine, because there's certainly an environmental benefits to that too. So I, I would say maximum environmental benefits on the, on the EV, but hybrids are a great solution. And, um, you know, if, if you're really budget conscious, uh, just buying a smaller, lighter vehicle will also let you help benefit that as well. There's a sense that EVs are an elite type of vehicle. You have to be very well off to afford one. And that's, it's not really something a young person would ever consider. Does the reality match up to that? Are the, is the pricing so exclusive that young people cannot really consider getting in? Or do you see this being as something achievable by someone who is buying a first vehicle? It's something achievable. The, the big thing that's changed kind of over the last, uh, actually just over the last year and a half, with EVs is uh, much more, uh, many more Canadians are willing to long-term finance them. And we know there are are issues with with long-term financing, but because we see the proportion of EVs more often being sold with that type of financing package, I think it's it's starting to demonstrate that Canadians are putting more uh, trust and faith in the, in the technology, you know, you're, you're okay financing this for 84 uh, months and committing to the vehicle because you're not going to experience any issues with, um, uh, with the power, uh, with the battery or the powertrain performance of the vehicle. Uh, well, then you start to chip away at the payment gap, right? And that now becomes more accessible. What do you think about the idea of leasing a, uh, an EV? You have 
less upfront cost, and in three years or four years, you walk away and you jump, you jump right into a much newer, more up-to-date uh, version of the same vehicle. Uh, absolutely. So you bring up a great point, Rob. I'll, I'll just start because we talked about long-term financing. R- reminder to everyone, long-term financing is great. Uh, low APR is great if you can commit to the vehicle. You, what you don't want to be in is uh, a situation where you've uh, acquired a new vehicle, you're long-term financing it, you just got married, uh, you're, you're expecting kids, oh, and now I have to get a different car, and you're now upside down because the value for the car is lower than the outstanding amount on the loan. What uh, consumers can do and young companies can do is consider leasing because with leasing, uh, while sometimes and generally the APR, the interest rate will be a little bit higher, uh, but you're committing to a much shorter period of time, you know, 48 months, typically we also see, still see a lot of 36, even 24 to 27 month contracts are available. It's a shorter commitment and you have a little bit more ability to adjust your payment. As we mentioned earlier, if you can commit to a, a, a lower mileage allotment on the contract, understanding you're not driving as much, you're working from home or you have some hybrid uh, work arrangement and you still want the vehicle, but it's going to be sitting on the driveway perhaps a little bit more often than, than it was before uh, uh, COVID. That will help uh, That will help you manage your payment and, and the monthly budget uh, uh, allowance. Thanks, Robert. After the break, we speak with a Gen Z who recently bought an electric vehicle to save money and it's working for him. CPP Investments is proud to manage the assets of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. The Canada Pension Plan provides retirees a solid income foundation. In support of that important priority, we've built a well-balanced and globally diversified portfolio. It's designed to be resilient in the face of wide-ranging market and economic conditions. Through good times and bad, Our professional investment teams have helped make CPP a plan that contributors and beneficiaries can count on for generations to come. Learn more at cppinvestments.com. My name is Dominic. I'm 24 years old and I live in Gatineau, Quebec. I work in automotive sales for new cars. For the record, Dominic doesn't sell the brand of vehicle he bought, but he definitely knows his cars, and he uses his almost every day. The majority of the usage of my personal vehicle is definitely commuting to work uh, about 95% of the time. Uh, It's a very short commute, about uh, four four to five kilometers each way. And uh, the rest of the usage would maybe be one or two road trips every year with the vehicle. In April 2021, Dominic bought his first electric vehicle. Yes, so my electric vehicle is a 2021 Chevrolet Bolt EV. The sticker price was just about $47,000. My previous vehicle was a 2020 Toyota Corolla hatchback. I paid $31,000 for the vehicle. A $16,000 price jump sounds steep, so you might be surprised that Dominic decided to go electric to save money. So what per, what drew me the most was right about when the gas prices started to rise again in 2021 after the uh, the all-time lows of 2020 I started to look into uh, electric and hybrid options uh, however uh, 
in Quebec, residents get a thirteen thousand uh, dollar credit towards a, a new a new per EV purchase. So applying that to the purchase price of the vehicle, uh, then comparing it to uh, the payments that I was making on my existing vehicle and the fact that I was putting gas once uh, in every two weeks, it definitely made more sense to go for the electric vehicle since the gasoline savings were basically dropping my monthly vehicle expenses to uh, below what uh, I was paying for the gas car. And that was not even taking into uh, account the maintenance costs of the vehicle. That's right. His monthly payments are now cheaper. The decision to get uh, an electric vehicle was mainly first and foremost an economical one as uh, by the end of the month, once all the numbers, car payment, insurance, gas costs, maintenance uh maintenance costs are uh, are taken into account. The electric vehicle came out to be a, a, a little bit cheaper, uh, as well as, you know, being comparatively equipped to my vehicle and uh, a little bit less of a source of worries as there's less, uh, there's less mechanical parts, there's less things uh, to go wrong that I uh, need to worry about. When all was said and done, and the final numbers were calculated, I would say the payment was no more than $12 by weekly difference than uh, between what I was going to pay for the new vehicle versus what I was currently paying for my Toyota Corolla. Like most Canadians, Dominic financed his car so he wouldn't have to clear out his bank account. But he did benefit from a few factors that are very dependent on where he lives. So for my situation, I was very lucky. Uh, there are a couple of uh, electric car charging stations that were built uh, into the parking lots of the apartment complex I live at. So I did not have to pay anything to charge the vehicle, install charging stations or anything like that. Uh, but it is very rare to find apartment buildings that do have charging uh, installed for for the residents. So I, I did not have to pay anything for the charging. It is a standard uh, 220 volt uh, charger. So it's it's about a full charge and I would say about eight hours. It can cost a couple thousand bucks to install an electric vehicle charger at home. If you live in a condo, you might not even have that option. On top of that, Quebec and BC residents also benefit from a big provincial rebate for electric cars, as well as the federal one. For a resident of Quebec, for example, uh, the $13,000 is split into $8,000 from the province of Quebec and $5,000 from the federal government. So the federal government part can be uh, done at the dealership without any forms being filled. They generally will take care of it for you uh, on, uh, on site and you won't have to do anything about it. Uh, at least I did not. And that's what everybody else seems to uh, have uh, said as well. For the provincial part, I had to fill out a couple of uh, a couple of pages on the internet on the website dedicated for the rebate, but the dealership was able to to deduct it uh, from the price uh, at the dealership and uh, get the reimbursement for the credit uh, in in store. With government incentives cutting the purchase price, it's no surprise electric vehicles are most popular in Quebec and BC. But price isn't the only concern people have about EVs. Many worry about battery life. 
I definitely did have my reserves about the durability of these vehicles until I started researching a little bit more seriously into them. Uh, once I did, however, I quickly started to see that the batteries, especially in the modern uh, electric vehicles that are uh, actively cooled and heated with uh, coolant similar to what you'd find in a normal gasoline engine, I've quickly come to realize that there are cars that have 300, 400, even 500,000 kilometers out there that have been used as taxis or shuttles, and the batteries are still holding up very well. They've uh, had very little battery degradation. They're still holding charges. They haven't failed. And what a lot of people don't really consider as well is that if a battery does die around, let's say, 400, 500,000 kilometers, a battery for an electric vehicle costs anywhere between, you know, ten to twenty thousand dollars for the most of the affordable models that you will find on the market today. Replacing an engine and a transmission in a gasoline-powered car, which will probably have let go by that time, it's just about as expensive, actually. But most people will never really even keep their cars to that point. So they'll never really get to experience how durable the EV is in the long run. But I've met many people with very high mileage on their vehicles. And uh, I wouldn't say durability is uh, something to worry, to be worried about at all on these vehicles. Another worry is just how far these vehicles can travel on a single charge. The range I would get on a full charge really depends of your driving conditions, such as where you are driving and the time of the year you are driving. Best case scenario would be summer in the city. You could easily push uh, the model of vehicle I have up to about 490 kilometers. Uh, worst case scenario would probably be winter time, the uh, minus 20 Celsius and below. And on the highway, you could see as, as low as 220 kilometers on a single charge. That distance could be a problem for people living outside big cities who do a lot of highway driving, but it isn't a problem for Dominic. Definitely, I would say the, the range, uh, it's, it's very much okay for 99% of the time, but that 1% where you want to go for a long road trip, let's say, you know, you're driving for eight hours, uh, it, it definitely becomes more of a 12-hour drive because you have to budget that uh, every recharge is going to take you at least 40 to 50 minutes to get back to 80% in that specific vehicle. So it does add quite a bit to the travel time. And it's also a little bit, uh, I would say, stressful knowing that you know you need to make it to your next charging stop and you need to make sure you always have enough electricity. I wouldn't say it's dramatically different than uh, making sure your car has enough gas to get to the next uh, place you're going or the next station, but it's definitely an adaptation period psychologically to make the switch that, okay, I don't need to fill up gas anymore. I just need to fill up electricity. As Dominic shifts his mindset to plug in instead of gas up, electric vehicles are starting to shift to a more economical choice instead of a pure luxury item. What does feel luxurious for Dominic is avoiding gas stations. My favorite part about owning an electric vehicle for a year now would be, I would have to say, the freedom of uh, 
gas stations, it's very nice knowing that I never have to worry about filling up uh, the car. I never have to look at gas prices or worry about what's what's going to go up, what's going to go down. Uh, it's also a lot simpler in maintenance. I don't have to take time out of my days to book uh, oil changes or maintenance or anything for the vehicle. It's not a hassle. Uh, all it needs really are tire rotations, maybe once or twice a year. Uh, the quietness of the vehicle as well. It's very, very quiet. Obviously, you don't have an engine that's making a bunch of noise. And the power, a lot of people don't expect it to, but they are actually uh, much more powerful and quicker than gasoline-powered cars. So it's, uh, it's very enjoyable to drive. Like it or not, a vehicle is one of those big expenses that for many Canadians is a necessary evil. Leasing and buying a smaller car can help keep costs down, but electric vehicles seem to be getting more achievable. Dominic found a way to make an electric vehicle work. So Rob, is this feasible for most people or are electric vehicles still a luxury? I think what we have to recognize is that the EV category is very broad and there's a lot of different price points in there. For instance, a hybrid might be surprisingly affordable uh, for someone who's looking to get into the EV market. Let's not forget that if you're concerned about high gas prices, there's always the option of buying a small, fuel-efficient little vehicle, um, fun to drive. No, you're not up as high as you are in SUV, but you're using a heck of a lot less gas. And one thing to keep in mind, and this is certainly the case for us, we live in a downtown area and we street park. So any kind of a plug-in vehicle is going to be a stretch for us, as it will for many young people who are renters or who are moving regularly. So lots of reasons why electric vehicles are still something that most people are not going to be able to do comfortably or easily. That said, we're moving in that direction. So here's my takeaway. Most of us are going to be driving EVs in the future, whether it's to fight climate change or avoid high gas prices. But for now, EVs can be flat out expensive for young adults. Solution, drive the cheapest gas powered car available right now and save for an EV down the line. Thank you for listening to Stress Test. This show was produced by Kyle Fulton, Emily Jackson, and Zara Kozama. Our executive producer is Kieran Rana. Thank you to Dominic and Robert Carwell for joining us this week. Our audio at the top of the show comes from TikTok users The Hunter at Home, Canada Obama, and Jimmer Please Like Me. Thanks for making us laugh. You can find Stress Test on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Next up on Stress Test, you've done all the right things, put money in your savings account, live frugally, but you can't shake the feeling that you'll never get ahead in this world of sky-high housing costs and inflation. Is the millennial middle class dead? Looking forward to that one. Until then, find us at theglobeandmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stress Test is brought to you by CPP Investments, manager of the Canada Pension Plan Fund. Canadians can be confident in the fund's sustainability. In the last 10 years, CPP Investments has earned more than $300 billion for the Canada Pension Plan. With over $500 billion invested around the world, CPP is set to provide a retirement income foundation for generations to come. Learn more at cppinvestments.com.